Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's The Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. Spring is here and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. All right, welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Cerruti, and we're going abroad again here on this feed. It is time to preview the English Premier League season that's going to kick off this weekend. And joining me once again is the great Paul Carr, director of content over at True Media, the host of the Expected Value podcast, and all-around great soccer follow. Make sure you follow him at Paul Carr on Twitter. Uh, Paul, what's up, man? Last time we had you on here, we were talking about the Champions League final. Both of us gave out Real Madrid, so I guess let's just keep the good vibes going here. Let's keep it going, yeah. I had a good... Betting year last year in the Premier League, hoping to carry it over. And beginning of the season, this is always fun just because you got so many different bets. You know, there's obviously there's relegation, there's top four, there's all these different races that you don't have in, you know, you can't bet as easily, you know, finish in your top half of your division in baseball or football or something. Yeah. So there's just lots of fun stuff to bet here. Yeah, there's lots of little things. We're going to get to it all, by the way. We're going to do title race. We'll do top four. We'll do the relegation battle, golden boot. And then we've got some kind of like weird off the cuff bets that, uh, I, I got a couple Nottingham, Nottingham Forest leans. Forest is back to the Premier League for the first time in a while. Um, but, Paul, let's start here. Let's start with the title race. Yeah. And it's interesting because we just had the Community Shield, too, uh, over the weekend. And I, a somewhat surprising result, I guess. I think City were the favorites. Liverpool ended up winning. Depending on who you ask, I mean, it's like a glorified friendly. But yeah. both teams did kind of play mm -hmm. what you would assume is like their A lineup. 
And um, it was obviously the debut of Erling Haaland for Manchester City, who comes with great fanfare and is supposed to be kind of their savior as the as the striker they haven't had for a couple of years. I want to know first and foremost, did that did that sway you at all in one direction or the other? Did that mean anything to you whatsoever? Not really. I mean, I think it's kind of a microcosm of where I already thought these teams were at and that I think they're pretty even. You know, Holland had a couple of chances. If he finishes one or two of those, we're looking at a very different sort of game. So yeah, I don't think we learned anything from one game other than both these teams are really good and might be the two best in the world and certainly the two best in the Premier League. Yeah, early Holland, I mean, he had a he had a pretty bad miss at the end there. Uh, yeah. Almost basically a wide open net where he hits the, the crossbar and goes over. I have questions about the fit in, in yeah. kind of Pep Guardiola's scheme. I think he's still incredible. I don't think he's going to flop. I mean, I think everyone's going to overreact. But I do think there could be a little bit of an adjustment period. I mean, you saw in that game, like Kevin De Bruyne is yelling at him to like take the space, go yeah. in certain areas. And I think it's going to take time for not only him to figure out Pep's system, but the rest of the team to figure out how to play around this incredible freak athlete type striker who's maybe the best striker in the world, depending on where you put uh, where you put like Lewandowski and Mbappe yep. position wise. But um, let's start there. Top top of the table title odds. I mean, it's basically one, two again, as you just mentioned, Manchester City is about minus 165 right now. Liverpool plus 200. Then you get into Tottenham plus 1400. Chelsea plus 1600. Arsenal plus 2500 and Man United 3500. Um, I guess we'll stick with the top two. I mean, I just don't see any value, obviously, in Man City. Maybe there's some value in Liverpool there, but where are you kind of leaning on the title race, Paul? Yeah, I think if you can get anything north of plus 200 on Liverpool, and I've seen them at plus 250 this morning uh, in some places, if you can get north of plus 200, I think there's some value there. Just because, like we said, they're pretty even uh, over the weekend, which is just, again, kind of a microcosm of where this title race is. I have similar questions to you about Holland. He's going to be fine. He's going to score double-digit goals. But you could see, like you said, just he wasn't quite... He's not quite as fluid by nature. He moves in different ways than you know an Aguero type of forward for Manchester City and just the the fluid three to six players they have up the front a lot of the time. That's just going to take time. They'll all figure it out because everyone's a great player and Guardiola is a great coach. Uh, But, you know, that two points that it might take them to figure it out can be the difference in a title race. So I think if you can get north of plus 200 on Liverpool, I think they have a more than one in three chance to win the title because this is even. uh, And so if you get that decent price, just kind of playing it purely for the odds. You ask me who's going to win the title. I think it's Man City. I think they're the better team. They're more likely, blah, blah, blah. But you get two to one on Liverpool, I would take that. Yeah, the, the the thing too is like Liverpool is also kind of in a transition period here. No Sadio Mane, he's off to Bayern Munich. Firmino, Bobby Firmino, who's been kind of their like false nine striker, who's done a lot of the work for them, uh, and has I think been an incredibly underrated player throughout his career. Even though he's not your traditional yeah. striker, he's getting older. Definitely past it. They bring in uh, Darwin Nunez, who you know looked great, obviously in the in in the Community Shield. Uh, Luis Diaz starting on the left. Like they're they're also still kind of in a transition phase. Mm-hmm. But I I just trust I, for some reason like both great coaches Pep and Klopp, but for Klopp, I just kind of trust a little bit more in these situations. The problem for me is over the long haul, I just think City's depth is always going to yeah. be the difference. And it's going to take another kind of like Herculean effort for Liverpool to pull this thing off. I mean, it's going to have to take City almost losing the title than I think someone else kind of winning it. Uh, so I guess you could argue both teams are in a bit of a transition phase, but um, I'm kind of with you there. I think it's Liverpool potentially, depending on the price, extending beyond that, I mean, Let's talk about, I guess, you know, the, the next group of teams, the two teams that are now in the Champions League who finished third and fourth last year, Chelsea and Tottenham, and the two teams that are outside, Arsenal and Man United. Um, do you think any of those teams can kind of at least put up a fight for some part of the season, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I could, you could talk me into playing a long shot on Tottenham at 14-1 to 1 or so. I mean, look, 
after Conte took over in November, they were the clear-cut third best team in the Premier League behind City and Liverpool, but ahead of Chelsea and Arsenal and United. But there was still a decent gap between them and United. You know, I don't know if they've brought in enough firepower. You know, Richarlison helps up top a little bit. Basuma coming in from Brighton adds some strength in the midfield. So this team may be a little better. I just don't know how much better they can play than they really were the last half or so of last season when there was still a decent gap between themselves and, and City and Liverpool. So yeah, you could talk me into Tottenham making some kind of run. Maybe they're you know in first place after a couple months, and but they need like we talked like you talked about with City and Liverpool. Tottenham's going to need stuff to go rock. You know they're going to need probably a couple Liverpool injuries. They, uh, you know, just some fluky results, dropping points by those top two. So they need a lot to happen. They've got to be at their peak. Liverpool and City have to drop off. So yeah, fourteen to one. You know, you could talk me into almost any reasonable title shot at that price, but it's not something that I played. Yeah, Tottenham. I, I I like the squad. I worry about the defense, but I guess that's what Antonio Conte mm-hmm. brings. He brings the, the stability at the back, no matter right. kind of who is there. And obviously, they've got two world class front men in, in, in Son and, uh, and Harry Kane. So, you know, they get the edge there. I'd actually kind of lean Chelsea and I know there's like turmoil surrounding them, but I, I think they thrive in that sometimes. Like <laughs> they, that, whether it's Jose Mourinho and just the ups and downs, they finished 10th and then they finished first with Conte, right. the Champions League win. I do think Tuchel's a good coach. I think they've basically, I mean, Barcelona's basically stolen their entire transfer strategy this summer, so they might be a little bit desperate <laughs> come here at the end of the window. And again, that's another good thing to bring up is that the, the transfer window is still open. Like these teams can still yeah. add and lose players. So we're doing this like a little bit prematurely and things can change. But I do think that both of those teams, Tottenham and Chelsea, have a formula for kind of how you get this done, which is sit back, don't give up goals, and then have, you know, nip a goal here and there and get a bunch of one nothing, 2-1 wins. And we saw Leicester win, their, win a title that way uh, many yep. years ago. We've seen Chelsea do it before. Uh, you know, Antonio Conte has certainly done that no matter where he's been. He's done that at Chelsea. He's done that at Juventus. So yeah. I think those teams have the formula to do it. Uh, and specifically Chelsea, I think if, if they sign another center back um, and, you know, uh, with Koulibaly, who's like a world-class talent. Yes, I know they lost Rudiger, but they might have upgraded with Koulibaly in a way. Um, the question with Chelsea is like, where are those goals coming from? That's that's the, obviously the issue there. Uh, I think Chelsea are the ultimate boomer bust team this year, though. I think they could finish like sixth and I think they could finish second, maybe. So yeah. if I had to take a shot, I think I would take Chelsea just because of the pedigree. But Tottenham's not a bad shout either. So you're giving yeah. no you're giving no love to Arsenal or United. You think those are both on the outside looking in? I mean, as long as United is still in the Ronaldo era, I don't really. And assuming they're giving him minutes, and you don't sign Ronaldo and keep Ronaldo and not play him, I don't feel like they have the ceiling. Arsenal. I mean, you want to play a top four, something like that. I'm I'm game with that. You you're adding Jesus, whom we'll talk about. Uh, who should bring the goal scoring they lacked at times last year. Say Arteta is going to keep building and they're going to be a little bit better. Yeah, I can definitely see a top four path for them. But getting past City and Liverpool and things have to go wrong with Tottenham and Chelsea has to not rebound. That's a lot would have to go right for Arsenal to sniff the title race at all. Yeah, let's go towards the top four race then. So obviously Manchester City and Liverpool, we're going to give those a sort of given. So it's really, you know, arguably four teams for two places and Tottenham and Chelsea we just talked about we like. I do kind of like, I don't, Arsenal, I don't trust. It's kind of like the old Tottenham. Like, I just don't, I don't know that I trust them. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Gabriel Jesus guy. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does as like kind of like the lone striker. He wasn't really afforded that opportunity a ton and to play the way that he wants under Pep right. Guardiola. I think he will, I think it'll be a good signing. I just don't know if he's like the difference maker to get Arsenal over the top. But I do kind of like them. You've got Arsenal at plus 165 and Man United at plus 175 to just make the top four. I am kind of intrigued by that. I think, I mean, if you look at United's roster, their squad on paper, I mean, obviously, 
even Ronaldo, no Ronaldo. Like, I actually think Anthony Martial's looked good in the preseason. I think, you know, you're going to get a better season from Jaden Sancho. I think the defense has improved. The midfield, still a big question mark for sure. Eric Ten Hag's first season there um, at Old Trafford. I think uh, you could, you could, you could talk me into either of those two teams. <laughs> uh, you, you can. Yeah. And I think if I had to pick one, I would take Arsenal just because of the continuity. And, but I think it would take like a Chelsea sort of, I think Tottenham's going to finish top four. I think it's whether or not Chelsea is basically a disaster or not a disaster here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page. Yeah. If I had to take one of those plus money teams, I would take Arsenal too. United, I'm just going to be a year late on United. Like at some point, they're <laughs> going to figure it out. With It's been years. Whether, it has been a long time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been a decade since Ferguson retired, basically. Um, you know, if this is the year they figure it out, great. I just don't, I won't believe it until I see it. They've got the talent. They just haven't put all the pieces together uh, for several years. Got a new coach. They're going to have another adjustment period. So yeah, I would play Arsenal if I had to play one of the plus money teams. Uh, it's not something I've rushed out to play. I, I did play Liverpool at minus a thousand, which just, is just, just to finish top four. Yeah. Just to finish top four. Yeah. If, if again, this depends on your bankroll, what you are willing to risk, et cetera. But yeah, if you can get it down around minus a thousand and get a 10% investment for you know nine months, uh, of, of socking your money away. You know, I like that. I wouldn't play it a whole lot higher than that. But yeah, that's that's the only top four play I've officially made. But I'd lean Arsenal if you make me pick something else. It's a good call because Liverpool a couple years ago still finished top four despite like losing Van Dyke and right. you know half Everyone their was roster out. was out for injury and they still somehow finished top four. Like that's yeah. almost as good. That's basically a guarantee. So you're, you're right. right. It's like a it's a small return, but at least you probably know that investment's coming back. Just don't lay a ton on that. Really quickly in the top four uh, before we move on to uh, to a few other to like the middle part of the table. Uh, Chelsea and Spurs both about even money to not make the top four. I think it's probably worth. I mean, Chelsea's definitely worth a look for me there. If you're getting, you know, even money uh, mm-hmm. or even like plus one ten on that, just yeah. because of what I described before of like the bus factor. So something to look out for there with Chelsea as well, potentially missing out in the top four, especially because I th- I do think you know I had a buddy ask me which of like the big six managers is probably on the hot seat or has the chance to be sacked first. I mean, I think Tuchel's a really good manager, but I do think he's probably the answer because Pep's yeah, not going, so. Klopp's not going, Arteta's likely not going, Conte, yeah. unless there's like a massive meltdown, which does happen with him. It's probably not yeah. happening this year. And Eric, and Ten Hag just started at United. So it's it's probably Tuchel and, you, you know, you, you throw in the new ownership there and right. maybe they want to straighten their situation out. And Tuchel's been a little bit unhappy with the transfer market so far. Uh, I, I think in even money, Chelsea outside the top four is a decent bet if you feel if you feel confident about that. Yeah, that's not bad. And, and the ownership's the big X factor there on the manager. You know, this is not Abramovich who, you know, you could just see pulling the trigger five games into the season when they start with two points or something silly like that. Um, that could still happen. You know, we don't know. I think the bigger issue would be what you say. Tuchel is not happy. You know, it's almost more likely that he leaves, you know, however they term it, term it, yeah. who knows. But almost more likely like that PSG. he leaves. Yeah. yeah. If he doesn't get anything that he wants in the next month and they start slowly, and, you know, behind the scenes, there's unhappiness. That's the formula that gets him out of there. And yeah, any of those other five, it's really hard to see anybody changing in the first half of the season. Yeah, as two uh, big U.S. Miss National Team guys, too, we, uh, whoever's going to play Pulisic, that's the guy that I support as Chelsea's right. manager. He needs to play. I mean, he needs to stay healthy, too. But I do think <laughs> yep. there's a situation there where it's, you know, it's Kai Havertz up front. It's, you know, obviously Sterling, who's their, their, one of their big signings this summer. On the left, and Pulisic coming off the right, uh, I think I think that's a, a, a spot that he can own. But mm-hmm. if, if if Tuchel's not gonna not gonna play Pulisic, I'm I'm Tuchel out as as a non Chelsea <laughs> fan for sure. <laughs> I, I will say, if the plan is to play him thirty minutes Pulisic, thirty minutes a game until the World Cup, I'm okay with that. Just just purely from a World Cup standpoint, as long yep. as he's playing, yep, and somewhat match fit, yeah, not right. you know staying healthy, all that stuff, yep. Right, yeah, I don't mind that at all. If he's a super sub for the first few months of the season, just got to get him healthy to the World Cup. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, Paul, I'll, I'll get your I'll get your World Cup early prediction as we're like, you know, three, four months out here uh, in just a little bit. Uh, I don't have a ton of leans. Obviously, we don't even know who the squads are yet, but just I'm interested to know what your what your early lean there is uh, as well. But let's get to a really interesting part of the table, which is sort of that middle, you know, upper but middle tier here, which is basically who not including the big six is going to finish the highest in the table. So that means if you take Man City out, you take Liverpool out, you take Tottenham out, Chelsea, Arsenal and United, who finished the highest of those second tier sort of clubs. Uh, right now, we've got Newcastle plus 225, West Ham plus 400, Leicester plus 550, Villa plus 650, Brighton plus 700. Then it kind of gets bigger, bigger odds after that. I'm going to make a weird play here, Paul, that I that I don't think many people are going to be on, but I'm going to be on this, I believe, right, depending ready. on how the transfer window uh, shakes out. I think Leicester finishes seventh. Hmm. I do. And I, and, I, and I say that because last year was just an absolute disaster for a number of yeah. reasons for them. Million injuries. They were also kind of going for the conference league, which they lost to, to my squad, Roma. Uh, shout out to Jose Mourinho, <laughs> who won the first ever conference league title. They, they just, I think they didn't have anything to play for at the end of last year. They looked bad. They had a ton of injuries. And I, I, I don't really take much into that because I still think they have a really talented team. Now, they didn't make one signing this entire summer. Right. And as I mentioned, they're probably going to lose cash for Smichael. But I don't really think that that second tier of teams is that good. I don't, I, I don't know that Newcastle is there yet. I, they had a great finish the last year, but I'm not sure I'm ready to say they're going to finish seventh. Uh, West Ham, I think the issue with them is they're going to now be playing in Europe, in the, uh, and and that's going to, again, take away from their squad. They made a couple of nice signings, John Lucas Gamaka from Sassuolo in Italy. He's a really, really good, talented young striker. But again, the more games that you play, I think it's people kind of figure out your, your squad gets a little bit more tired. So I'm not, I'm not as high on them. Villa, I'm not a believer in. I do love Brighton, but I'm just not sure that, again, they need to score goals. I think Leicester, if they bring this whole thing back, their entire squad, keeping Tielemans, keeping Fofana, who have been some tra- in some transfer rumors least recently, if they keep those guys, I think Leicester finished seventh Paul. I really do. It's bold. I like it. Uh, if I like, I'm going even a little further down to Palace at plus fourteen hundred. Okay, uh, they were really good last year. They were, they finished twelfth, but they were only three points out of tenth. Uh, they were seventh in goal difference. They were sixth in expected goal difference. They were kind of unlucky in one goal games uh, and games decided by exactly one goal. They had three wins and eight losses. So suggesting there's a little bit of regression that's possible there. Uh, it's mostly the same team under Patrick Vieira in his second season. They brought in a little bit of defensive help, which should shore that up a little bit. So yeah, I like getting a pretty good price. I like them because like you said, nobody here jumps at me. I mean, I don't feel like Newcastle should be the favorite there. I know they spent a lot of money and brought in a lot of guys, but you know, Newcastle's just been a disaster the last couple of years. Pretty lucky to avoid relegation both times in a lot of ways. So I like Palace. You get 14 to 1 on them to basically finish seventh or, you know, best of the not big six. I kind of like that one. 
I do too. And I mean, the only thing I'm, I'm concerned about with them is Connor Gallagher, who was on loan from Chelsea right. last year, was a massive part of their team. Now, he tailed off a little bit at the end of last year. He is currently in Chelsea's squad. We'll see if he stays there. I mean, it's the classic yep. Chelsea loan army um, with all their youth players. I've always said for, for years, Paul, like if I was like Everton or some mid to like mid bottom tier table club, I would just keep buying Chelsea academy guys that they don't right. want because there's a good chance that you're going to you're always going to be like a solid team with Chelsea rejects because right. I mean look at all the people across Europe I mean you know Tamoria AC Milan has been fantastic uh, you've got obviously uh, the center back who, whose name I'm blanking on at, at, at Crystal Palace himself mm-hmm. is, is, is great um, Broha last year at Southampton Livermento has been great there's just there's like a litter of yeah. Chelsea uh, rejects from their academy that are actually really good players yep so um so I, I, that would be my transfer my transfer strategy if I was anything like a lower tier table club. Just just make make friends with Chelsea and let them kind of you know send us. It reminds me of like uh, I don't know five ten years ago when it seemed like every rising player was Belgian, and they're coming yep. up, and, and now it seems like yeah you get all these these solid players and these mid tier teams, and it's like oh he's from Chelsea, huh, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I that, if that's Palace's transfer strategy, if they can somehow get Connor Gra- Gallagher back, I, I I would absolutely back you yeah. on that bet. You like them by the way to finish. The uh, top half as well. You have a good bet there too. Yeah, I, plus two twenty five is what I played them to finish in the top half. It's the I and mean, it's the same play, same reasons rather as to you know possibly finish the best of the non big six teams. They've got continuity except for Gallagher, like you said. Another year under Vieira, they just really look like they had a plan last season. And you know you just watch them. They you know they look like a top half team. They look like a borderline top six teams at team at times last year not afraid to take it to some of the better clubs so yeah i like them top half at plus 225 yeah yeah i'm I'm with you there for sure um let's move to the bottom half uh because this is actually like mid to bottom tier table well some some of these teams might be in the relegation fight we'll get to that in a second but you and i are in agreement on a team who we both believe are going to finish bottom half i'll let you i'll let you take the table yeah you're paying juice on this but i like wolverhampton bottom half a lot at minus 300 uh just keep in mind bottom half those top six have been in the top half for 14 straight seasons. So you're basically, it's 10 teams for the other, for 10 of the other 14 teams are going to be in the bottom half, which is why you're paying the juice, which isn't terrible uh, when you look at it that way. But Wolves was bad last season, fourth in expected goal difference, fourth worst in expected goal difference. They really didn't add firepower. Jimenez is already hurt. Uh, Matino is probably their next best offensive player. He's 35. I think relegation is much more likely than a top half finish for them. So I'll, I'll easily lay minus 300 to have them in the bottom 10. I totally agree. Last year, their goalkeeper, Jose Sa, who oh, was fantastic, was great, yeah. uh, one of the best in the Premier Like he, can he be expected to repeat that performance? I think he's really good, but I think he like saved something like plus seven goals. Yeah, it was, in their it was XG. an absurd I mean, number. Absolutely phenomenal. And they, they don't score a ton either. Right. Like I know they're getting uh, Neto back and, I just I don't believe that they're going to be able to score enough, and I don't believe they're going to have the luck that they did last year. I don't think they're going to get relegated. I think they could be dragged into that race, um, but I do love them to finish uh, bottom half as well, minus three hundred. I think that's a, that's a that's a fantastic bet yep. there. Um, and all right, let's get into maybe this for at least maybe me as an Everton supporter, the most interesting part of this discussion. Let's get into the relegation battle. Um, hey, I, I got because, a question for you. Steve. Can you ex- yeah? Go can ahead. you explain to me what Everton's doing in this transfer window? I feel like they've signed about fifteen wingers when yep. what they really need is some semblance of a midfield. What's going on there? <laughs> they obviously lost for Charleston, who <laughs> right. almost single-handedly dragged yeah. them into safety last year. There was a point with six games left, and I was convinced they were going down. Me too. Uh, I, had, and, I had a plus and, 333 ticket on them going down and felt great about it with about yeah, six weeks left. 
I had like in February resigned to the fact that they were yeah. going down. I just, I just, they, they had nothing going for them. And even Lampard coming in, I, I, I like him. I don't think he's a great manager though. And I don't mm-hmm. know if he was the right guy for that, but, but Richarlison dragged him out of safety. That's yep, fine. Good for him. I will say, I think Everton is a very popular relegation pick because I think they're like the biggest club and people yeah. are like, Oh, it'd be hilarious to see them go good down. I think they'll be in the mix, but I do not believe they, I think they're a 14th, 15th yeah. finish. I would imagine. Um, but the, the key for them is, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who the year before was kind of the breakout yeah. striker in the Premier League. He had got called up to the England squad. Great player, limited player, very athletic, not maybe like the best. He's somewhat of a poacher, very athletic, good with good with his head. Um, He basically missed the entire season. You know, he they didn't have him for the whole yep. season. They're playing with Charleston at striker, which is semi out of position. They're going to have DCL back. They signed Dwight McNeil from Burnley, who I think is a good player. Mm-hmm. They, they signed James Tarkowski from Burnley, who is also... Uh, a solid player. The only concern there would be you. You, you know, you, you signed two players from a team that got relegated the year before. So are you trying to get relegated <laughs> yourself? There is an argument to be made there. Yeah. I fully understand that. I think they'll be fine. They had so many things go wrong for them last year. Like I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's going to be really ugly. Uh, I think they're not going to be a fun watch week in and week out. But I do think that so many things went wrong for them last year that they'll probably be fine this year. But to your point about their transfer strategy, it is absolutely <laughs> pathetic. Um, let me run through the odds really quickly too yeah. for for the relegation fight. So. Bottom, uh, which means you know the chance most likely to get relegated, Bournemouth at minus 190, then Nottingham Forest plus 110, Fulham plus 120, Leeds plus 225, Brentford uh, plus 250, which I think is ridiculous. Um, looks like they're going to sign Damsgaard from Sampdoria too. He's a really nice player, probably replaces Christian Eriksen. Southampton's plus 300, and Everton is at plus 350. What, uh, what kind of stands out to you there? So first, I'll point out that you know, it's very tempting just to say, oh, the, the three that came up are going to go right back down. However, in the last 24 Premier League seasons, at least one holdover Premier League team has been sent down, meaning at least one newly promoted team has survived. Mm-hmm. So somebody's going down, almost certainly, uh, from this group of established teams. And for me, I think Southampton Southampton is the team that I played at plus 300. Uh, you know, they were a little bit lucky early in last season and then kind of coasted and they really weren't in the relegation scrap, even though I think they ended with 40, 42 points, something like that. Yeah. And they signed a handful of young players, which on one hand is good in theory. You know, these are, there's promise here, but I have questions about how young players fit into Hassan Udall's pressing system. And if those guys don't click, like this has all the potential for one of those, kind of like Everton had last season, one of those wheels fall off and everything goes yep. wrong sort of seasons. So I just, I don't, Feel like they have the upside and i feel like worst case scenario is just going to be scrapping for almost the whole season down in the bottom five so i, I like southampton at plus 300 i like southampton as well i think i had them last year in the I relegation too. fight too the question for them is like who is scoring goals right. for this team right like shay adams like I, I okay is that gonna is that the guy that will lead you to safety you're right they signed a lot of young nice players but again those guys you can't really rely on especially in a relegation battle right away yep. Um, and they've kind of been trending in this direction for a couple of years now where, you know, five, six years ago, they were kind of like flirting with Europe mm-hmm. and they were like this upcoming team. They had an incredible sort of like development system, youth academy. Yeah. But a lot of those guys have since left and house and huddle. I mean, I know he's re- most people think he's a really good manager. I just don't think he has the tools to really yeah. do anything with this squad. It's pretty surprising that they haven't really uh, reinforced the, uh, this team a ton. So I'm, I'm kind of totally there with you on Southampton plus 300. I think they're kind of the one to uh to, to bet on do you as far as like the newly promoted teams like which one do you, do you tip which you know one of them to stay up more than the other two i don't have a strong or, feeling really for any of the three for that matter i mean bournemouth and, and forest were i mean fulham was far and away the best team in the championship last year 
how that translates to the Premier League is the big question. Honestly, they've yo-yoed the last few years. So yeah. uh, this year, they seem to be trying a little more conservative transfer strategy, which might be a good thing. And just, you know, there's no one way to stay in the Premier League. So they, they're trying, trying all of them over several years span. But yeah, I don't have a strong yeah. feeling between Forrest and Bournemouth. I know Bournemouth is a significant favorite there, but I don't have a strong feeling either way. I am not very high on Bournemouth. I think that I don't know their squad and, you know, Solanke, who's their striker, who had a good year in the championship last year. I'm not sure. Again, not proven the Premier League. I just, it's a totally different. I think it's something like when 20% of the goals that you score in the championship ends up, end up really translating to the Premier League. Like it's not like these guys come in and just start scoring at the same rate. Right. And a lot of times, the way that a team like Fulham or Bournemouth, who had really good years in the championship last year, the way that they played in the championship is not the right. way that they're going to have to play in the Premier right. League. And it just usually doesn't, you know, it doesn't equate success. That's why sometimes those teams that end up making it through the playoff are a little bit better off because they're used to playing multiple different Grinding, styles yeah. and not always dominating every game. Um, I got a couple of uh, relegation type bets to throw at you here. The first right. one, I'm actually a little bit optimistic about Nottingham Forest. Maybe it's the history. Um, maybe I just I like the uniforms. I like the idea of like them being you know European winners years yeah. and years ago. They're they're a historic you know Premier League team that's been down for a while. Yep. I'll throw a stat at you here. Four out of the last five years, Paul, a okay. newly promoted team has finished in the top half of the table. Four of the last five wow. years. And last year, it very easily could have been Brentford if it wasn't for a couple of injuries yeah. here and there. That was a good team that very easily could have finished top half. I think Nottingham Forest plus 800 to finish top half is actually not a terrible bet to make because of what we talked about before and how kind of weak and soft that middle to top mm-hmm. sort of section between you know 7 to 13 is. I think they're going to be in that mix. And I'm getting plus 800 plus they, they signed Dean Henderson from Manchester United, who had a great year at Sheffield two years ago when Sheffield was pushing for Europe. They signed Jesse Lingard on a free, right. a lot of money, one year deal, players, but it's yeah. actually a, a really nice player who I think is going to help them a ton. Can they be the Sheffield United of a couple years ago? I think they can. So give me, I, I'm not saying go to the bank with this, but I, I really <laughs> am intrigued by Nottingham Forest plus 800 just to finish top half. And I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, at that price, and like we said, given the soft middle of the table, I mean, it's, you know, you steal six points over the first few months and like you're well on your way. Like Sheffield United a couple years ago came out of the gate and was just stealing points all over the place and rode that all the way there to a top half finish. So yeah, it, it's not awful. And like you said, they're bringing in some players that are known quantities that have Premier League pedigree and experience. So yeah, you're getting eight to one plus on any team to get in the top half. It's not terrible. Yeah. And then the last one here, I'll throw it to you. This is kind of a fun one. Uh, speaking of Bournemouth and how down I am on Bournemouth, I think plus 330 to be bottom of the table at Christmas is, I would, I love that bet. I absolutely love it. They open at home to Villa, at City, home to Arsenal, and at Liverpool. They're going to be lucky to get any points there, and then they're going to be chasing for basically the rest yeah. of that 2022. Um, I, I, I think they're the team that I feel the most confident is going down. So for them to be bottom of the table at Christmas, I feel like with that starting schedule, I think uh, plus 330, I'll, I'll take the, I'll run to the back. Yeah, it that. makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you lump them in with the other two newly promoted teams. We already talked Forrest and we think they got a shot to be decent. Fulham has the experience. They're not going to have, you know, 60% possession and Mitrovic isn't scoring 40 goals like he did last season. But, you know, there's a legit case that, that you could make almost the same case for them for the top half as you could for uh, Nottingham Forest. So, yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth appears to be the weakest of those relegation or newly promoted teams rather. So, getting that's pretty good plus money, I think, to get... Uh, at the bottom of Christmas. And remember, Christmas is November 12th because yeah. of the World Cup. So yep, it's even, exactly. there's even just to your point of a tough start, it's an even more compressed time frame and fewer games than you would normally have before Christmas. 
It's a great point. All right, let's move on. Last thing we'll cover here uh, is the Golden Boot race. This is interesting because Erling Haaland, new guy to the Premier League, is the is the odds-on best favorite. He's plus 275 to score the most goals, Golden Boot here in the Premier League. Mo Salah, plus 450. Harry Kane, plus 600. Then you're getting some long shots. Darwin Nunes is uh, plus 1,200, which I think is way too high. Gabriel Jesus, interesting, and also plus 1,200. Cristiano Ronaldo, your boy, plus 1,400. Um, I'll just start here with Holland. I, I think, I, first off, I, I would not bet on early Holland. Right. One, switching leagues. Uh, the, the the highest scores for Pep teams are usually never very high. They, I don't think Pep has had a, uh, a guy even near the top uh, since he's been the manager at Manchester City. Now, Holland is just a different type of striker, but I do think it's just going to be an adjustment period, as I mentioned, yep. for both he and the team. So I would take him out of the, out of the equation right away. I think Mo Salah is an interesting one, uh, plus 450, just because he, they're going to need to rely on him, losing a couple of those guys, specifically Mane. And he plays a million games, and he's also not going to the World Cup as well with Egypt. Yep, so I think plus 450 is a good bet for him. Anything you like there, Paul? Um, yeah, I mean, if my short shot, I'm probably going to play Harry Kane. Right? I have played Harry Kane at 6-1. at six to one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to play for a top-six team. I think in the last 20 seasons, only one guy has won the Golden Boot, not from a top-16, that w- and that was Vardy a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. And you got to take penalties. Right? Yeah. So Salah takes penalties. Holland will probably take penalties, although you know we'll, we'll know when we see it. Uh, so if that's a case for taking Salah, but Kane's going to take the penalties for Tottenham. He's got I think 17 goals in six straight seasons, and he had 17 last year and underachieved his expected goals a little bit. Uh, we talked about he fits into this Conte system really well with Son. So I think you know he's going to be in that 20 goal range. You know you give him three or four penalties, so I think he's going to be right there. So I like him at six to one if I'm taking a short shot. Yeah, penalties are key for him. We'll move on to long shots here now, too, to close this thing out. Call me crazy. Okay. And this might be crazy. I like Kai Havertz plus 3,500. Go ahead. I I think he's going to be the focal point of the attack. And, you know, they're going to be a good team. I I was going through the the top six teams to figure out, you know, assuming it's coming from there. So you have Salah for Liverpool, Holland for City, Kane for Tottenham, uh, United, whatever. I'm throwing Ronaldo out the window for this. I'm not taking him. and Chelsea, I was kind of like, uh, you know, somebody's got to score these goals. Uh, the downside is he's probably not taking penalties as long mm-hmm. as Jorginho's there, though. You know, who knows? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you want to take a flyer on Sterling? I think he's like 25 to 1 or something. Sure. I th- you can talk me into almost any Chelsea guy. Uh, your range of outcomes is very wide. You know, it's one of those he might score five goals and he might score 20 sort of thing. So, no, I, I don't hate it. I think he's being groomed for that position by Tuchel. I think Tuchel likes him as that like center forward sort of false nine situation. He also scored 17 goals in Germany as a teenager. Like he's mm-hmm. a he's goal scorer. Now he was a midfielder then, which actually might make my point even better than like I think there's potential Maybe. here for him to score a ton of goals. And as you mentioned, someone's going to have to score goals on this team, whether it's Sterling or him. And I think he's probably in the be- best position to do so. It looks like um it looks like uh you know there's really no other strikers on that roster. Obviously they lost Lukaku. Um it looks right. like Timo Werner's maybe going back to Leipzig. Factor. Right. Yeah. So I kind of like that as well. And then Jamie Vardy's another one plus thirty five hundred. You you kind of mentioned him. Um, he only had he only played or he only had uh, fifteen goals last season, but he only played twenty five games. You take that over the course of an entire right. season. If he's healthy, he's going to be scoring goals for Leicester. I keep saying like the age is going to catch up in one of these days, and it never does. So uh, I know they they signed a couple strikers, Pats and Daka, but none of them have really caught on the way I think that um, that Vardy still provides sort of stability for them. So. I think that's another one. Interesting one. I mean, he's obviously got to stay healthy. I think I'm high on Leicester this year, so obviously I'm going to be high on Jamie Vardy as well. Yeah, health's the big issue there. He'll take penalties. I think Leicester drew the most penalties in the league last season. Like, they're just one of those teams that very clearly is 
you know, get in the box, fall down is part of their strategy. Um, I do like Gabriel Jesus if you can get a decent price. Like I got him at 14 to 1. I think he's around 12 to 1. I see him at 9 to 1 now. I don't really like him that low because he had, I think, seven goals in five preseason games. So the price dropped quite a bit. But there's a chance he's the new Aubameyang, just in the sense that somebody's got to be in the middle of the box and scoring goals for all these Arsenal balls mm-hmm. that get in there. And, you know, he's shown a pretty good sense of awareness. Uh, always seem to underachieve his expected goals like, with Manchester City. Uh, will he take penalties? Not really sure. Saka took their only one in the preseason. So that's a question, but he did take some with City. So that's a possibility. So yeah, 14 to 1 or so. I don't mind that on Jesus. I, although I, I will also say, I think I played him to win the Golden Boot like four times in the last five years. I mean, usually it's like 35 to 1. And you're basically betting that Aguero is going to get hurt for the whole season, which wasn't a terrible bet. It just never worked out. Uh, but yeah, I, still, I still like him. I hope I'm not just throwing bad money after or good money after bad or whatever it is at 14. All right, Paul, really quickly before, you, before we go, uh, give me your, your prediction top four. All right, I'm going to go Liverpool, City, Tottenham. And I'll put Arsenal in just to be a little bit different. Nice. Know, I think those... Well, three teams in the last spot are a little bit of a mess. I'll take Arsenal, ride my Jesus golden boot bet to yeah. the top four. You got to back up. You got to back up the, uh, the the Gabriel Jesus train. I, I respect it. I'm going to be boring. I'm going to same order, except for I'll just have Chelsea instead of Arsenal in the four spot. Chelsea, ultimate kind of boomer bust team. I think they'll figure it out. They're just too talented. And I just don't know if I trust Arsenal enough. So there are our top four predictions. Yep. Before I let you go, Paul, any sort of early leans as we're like, what, three, four months away from the World Cup? Uh, let's see. I have a Germany, I think it's 10 to 1 ticket. I made this mm-hmm. before the draw, so before they got stuck in with Spain uh, in their group. Although, I don't know, they're, they're going to play like a, a Belgium, Canada, or Croatia, somebody in the round of 16 if Germany gets through. So I, I still don't mind that one. Uh, I have a few other like get out of the group type of plays, I think on Canada. And Interesting, yeah. I thought I had one more. Maybe it was Qatar. Uh, but, but yeah, I, that's the only ticket I have to win is, is Germany. It's kind of one I make almost every tournament doesn't matter. Men's, women's, Euros, World Cup. Like never a bad idea to, to, to Gary back Lineker Germany. quote, Germany always wins. Exactly. Never never a bad idea to back Germany. I, I kind of I'm interested in just if we're looking at like to win early sort of like odds. I kind of like Argentina plus seven hundred. I, I, I like their squad. I feel like they're they kind of figured out around Messi as well. Um obviously winning yeah. uh the South American tournament and you know I just think they for years it was like who can play with him i think they found a group of guys that can play with him i love their midfield right. defense is a little bit questionable but uh but i kind of like them and i think their group is, is pretty favorable I'm, I'm looking at argentina i haven't placed any bets just yet but i do like argentina at plus 700 so uh yeah. that'll do it paul maybe we'll chat uh you know as we as we get to the lead up to the world cup in a couple months um and i, I really appreciate you hopping on again at paul carr on twitter director of content for true media uh always a pleasure my man have a good season you bet same to you